0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Sensory Matters show. This week is half term, so I've got Jamie with us. You can say hello? please. Don't do that. Oh, sorry, didn't realise. I have sensory problems, you tree. Sorry. So Jamie's here this week because it's half term. Now this week Jenny has interviewed Luke Armitage, which is amazing. He talks about his research. Um, between autism the, the link between autism and trans and it's just amazing. So we hope you enjoy that. And guess who's going to be there next week? I don't know if it'll be next week, darling, but Jamie has yeah. just just recorded her podcast. So that's gonna be great. She's spoiling it! You're giving them spoilers. Right. <laughs> so this week we've got the usual success stories. We have product reviews, we have live videos, um we go live every Sunday, don't we? Yeah. So don't forget to join us there on the main page. But we'll let you listen to Luke's podcast now, and we really hope you enjoy it. Mm. We love a net and we love a chat. We love to help and that's a fact. So we have made it our mission to find stuff out. From diagnosis and education it out of your frustration, chat to folks who've been there too. Collect it together and share it with you. If you know someone we should speak to, send them our way, and that's what we'll do. We like to have our sensory matters. You know what? Right.
1: Hello, everyone. It's Jenny back again with another Sensory Matters show, and today I have the great pleasure of chatting to Luke Armitage. Say hi, Luke. Uh, hi everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so Luke is really interesting in that he is currently 24 and only just had his autism diagnosis, is that right?
2: Um, it is, yeah, it was uh, only at the beginning of the year actually.
1: So how did that all come about?
2: Um, well, I guess I'd um, had an idea that I might be autistic for quite a while but never really uh, followed it through. But um, I've been involved with mental health services for anxiety type things at the start. Um, this academic year, more about September, October, and they suggested that it might be a good idea to refer me to the autism assessment team. So um, I went for that, and it, it turned out that, yes, I I'm autistic.
1: Okay, so what was it that was making you think you could be?
2: I guess a lot of my issues with anxiety were around social situations. And as I talked it through more with um, the psychologist, it would seem to be um, to do with a lot of things were to do with um, being anxious because I didn't necessarily understand what how people were going to react, or and I was constantly sort of worrying about the social things like that. And then as I sort of spoke to more autistic people and tried out things like chewy uh, gems and things like that, I started thinking, "Oh, these things are really helping me in these situations." Like yeah, I never relate to a lot of the experiences of my uh, autistic friends. Um. And it all seemed to make sense in the context of my life experiences.
1: Yeah. Okay. So has been has getting a diagnosis been beneficial to you?
2: So far, it's mostly been beneficial in terms of sort of feeling more at home in the sort of community of people who are similar to me in terms of having autism. Um, and once I um I get it's sorted with my university, it will be helpful in terms of accommodations and things like that. Yeah. Uh, It's also been helpful in terms of, I guess, a lot of things in the past that i I struggled with, I tended to feel quite guilty about, and like they were my fault, but now that I understand that I'm autistic, it um, it sort of helps me think, well, maybe I struggle in that area because of this, but uh, I have strengths in other areas and that's not necessarily a bad thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Now your kind of special area of interest, if you like, is the link or possible link between autism and transgender. So, uh, yeah. Sorry. So yeah, how did how did that all come about?
2: Um, so um, I'm doing a massive moment in research methods, but um, I've got funding for a PhD um, to do with looking at trans transgender or trans children in, uh, and young people in education, mostly um, secondary schools, and because of this interest, academically, I went to a conference uh, back in September right. about trans, gender non-conforming or intersex in academia, mm-hmm. one of the presentations was about a particular theory um, called the Flattened Prize Hypothesis and why trans people might be willing to come out as autistic. Um, and I found that really interesting. Looked into it a bit more, and when it came to relatively recently, a few months ago, I am uh, I have been this year the president of our trans association at my university, which is Durham University. Okay. i putting on an event about different um, where people would be invited to come and give different talks about different aspects and um, intersections relate uh, with being trans and non-binary. Yeah. And I decided that I'd be really interested in giving a talk about being trans and being autistic and
1: how those relate to each other. Right. Amazing. Um, Because I I know certainly in our community um, of people with Chewy Gem, which is obviously mainly people with autism, um, but also other people as well, we, we have a high level of LGBT and we have a high level of trans um, people. So, in, you know, that's a sweeping generalization. Um, but it does seem that there is some form of connection. So have you got any theory on why that is? Well, in fact, before we go into that, let's go at the very beginning and let's think about, um, cause I know that you've done a blog for us and some of the terms in there I'd not heard before. So in terms of definitions, you've got obviously transgenders quite, simple to understand um so that's someone that was being born one gender um but feels they're another so they feel different to how they yes, were assigned
2: so um if when you're born everyone gets uh, assigned either male or female uh, or some people are intersex, but they tend to be told by doctors that they're either male or female um but um, a lot of the time people when they get a bit older um feel like they're not that gender that they've been assigned. Yeah. Um, they come to identify either as, uh, if they are assigned male, they might identify as female. In my case, I was assigned female, but I identify as male. Some people also identify as non-binary, which means that they're neither male or female.
1: Okay. So is that is that the same as them being kind of asexual, non-binary, or is this just not sex-related at all? This is purely feeling who you are?
2: Yeah. Um, So sexuality is different than gender and asexual would form under sexuality in terms of who you're attracted to. So asexual people often would feel a lack of or sort of less um, sexual attraction towards other people, whereas gender identity, in terms of being trans, is to do with how you feel about your own gender. and it's not generally associated with how you feel about anyone else.
1: Right, okay. I I think, I mean, these terms are banded about and everyone thinks they've got an understanding of them, but I think it's quite good to clear it up. Because the other one that you mentioned is, how do you say it? Cisgender.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so that's basically um, the easiest way to explain it is just everyone who isn't trans is cisgender. If you feel happy with the gender, then you've always been Assigned the thought of as then your cisgender.
1: Okay, so for you being assigned a, a um, female but feeling male, when when did you notice that?
2: Um, well, I actually I came out as trans when I was nineteen twenty ish. Okay, um, but I have a lot of memories of being a lot younger and feeling. Like I wasn't really a girl. I felt more associated with. It. I felt like I was a boy, but um, the idea of transness or being trans wasn't really something that I'd heard about. Okay. So, um, it it wasn't a term I'd heard of or an experience I'd heard of. So it took me um, watching videos and meeting other trans people to really realize that I um, I resonated with that experience as well, and that was who I was. Too.
1: Okay. Good. So those those things when you were younger that you look back on, what did that look like? Was it just different interests or just different feelings?
2: Um, yeah, I think interestingly, um, sort of my idea of my, me as a kid was quite a stereotypical trans narrative in terms of when I was a really little kid. I quit ballet to play football. I always wanted to play like football and the around and like play with the boys um, like I didn't really feel like I fit in at like, my girls' school, but um, a lot of the time people's sort of gender feelings aren't necessarily related to gender roles and gender interests. Um, some people say that they have more of an internal sense of gender and some people say it's to do with how they associate with the outside world and social ideas of being a boy or being a girl, but um, I feel a lot more comfortable now presenting as a boy and being and, and in that way but also i had a lot of issues with um, aspects of my body that were not what generally seen as female okay um, which is called dysphoria like this phys, um, so sort of physical dysphoria um so sort of like um sort of having a chest and having sort of certain fat distributions like things like that and they're things that medical transition can help with but not all trans people go that way but
1: no that was
2: really helpful for me
1: okay so you've done that yeah yeah fab so um when you came out how, how did you make that decision to come out were the people around you supportive um what was that experience like
2: um i guess i did it quite gradually at first uh, because i sort of having found out about people kind of mostly on the internet and things like that um i sort of started getting involved in a few internet um social networks talking to people like that and sort of testing the waters coming out to them seeing how i felt presenting myself in a in a sort of male way yeah Um, and then when i came out to some close friends they were really supportive they they one of them actually said well like i knew that (laughs) brilliant (laughs) um which was really nice um it's. Um, it took some of my family members a little while to get more understanding and on board of it, but um, now I'm really lucky to have a really supportive family and uh, lots of really supportive friends. And especially at university, um, getting involved in the LGBT community and having our own trans group now um, is really great in terms of having lots of people who really get. Yeah. I feel
1: about yeah. No, that's fab. It's really good. Do you do you think it's one of those things that the idea of coming out is always worse than the reality of it, and people in the main are quite accepting of these things these days, or do you think that there is a bit of <clears throat> I don't know fear around it? I suppose.
2: Uh, I think it depends on your circumstance. Uh, in my case, I was you know I'm, i I was sort of nineteen-ish and. As an adult, I was you know, secure and unable to come out that if my family had reacted really badly, I would have been able to look after myself um, in, in sort of financially in terms like that. Um, I, I think the issue for maybe younger trans children and teenagers coming out is um, their parents have more control of their lives still and it can be uh, more dangerous to come out. That doesn't mean that it's uh, necessarily going to go badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. it is sometimes completely understandable that some people need to put their safety first in terms of when and exactly who they're going to come out
1: to. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I suppose, you know, it's like any person that's deemed a child, they may be discouraged from doing anything dramatic until people are 100% sure that they're making adult decisions, if that makes sense you know, the decisions that are right for them, even though probably those feelings are right and strong as a child, and that's just the way they are, that I guess you don't want anyone doing anything that's going to affect their life if they then decide a few years later that they're not, if if you see what I mean.
2: Maybe that's true. I think people sort of um, assume that choosing to transition as a younger person is a sort of bigger deal than it is, Mm -hmm. Uh, because trans children, especially um, younger ones before puberty, don't usually have any sort of medical involvement. And if they do, it's just sort of blockers that delay puberty, which are used in um, cisgender children for things like precocious puberty anyway. Oh, okay. It, yeah, so they're sort of assumed to be more dangerous than it really is, whereas um, I think if you let sort of a 12-year-old um, kid decide that they want to use a, a different name or pronouns, um, it's a lot less harmful and um, it's been shown to be really positive for their mental health and things like that yeah and it's not the end of the world if then a few years later they decide they want to go back to how they were because they haven't made any huge like, yeah. decisions they have just felt more comfortable but actually that's that's not the majority of cases the majority of people who sort of come out as trans and especially have support are being authentic in their presentation yeah well, I think it's really great that we, if we let more kids just really explore how they want
1: to present themselves. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's the point that I'm trying to make is that if, if younger kids, exactly what you say, want to change the name and, and become that person, then there is no harm in that. It's probably more harmful denying them that. Um, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, re- really interesting. So now let's move on to um, the kind of research behind there being a link between autism or the theories between a link between trans and autism?
2: Uh, Sure, yeah. Um, It's just some ideas Yeah. Yeah, so um, there's a lot of the research that exists is more in young people than adults, um, but it was sort of noticed that um, there seem to be more trans people seem to be autistic and more autistic people seem to be trans. And they've been um, sort of, some literature is looking at what exists of incidence studies, which means people have just sort of seen how many people who go to a gender clinic have autistic symptoms. So maybe so when I first went to the gender identity clinic, as well as filling in sort of my personal details on the form, they asked me to fill in some forms for a research study where they sort of gave me an AQ um, scale, like an autistic quotient scale. Okay. Which is a diagnostic test, but it sort of looks at traits. So. Um, it, it they, these studies generally do show that more trans people than you would statistically expect otherwise are autistic than cisgender people are, and the same is true in the opposite direction. If you look at autistic people in general, more of them are trans than you would statistically expect based on the base level of trans people in the population. Okay. Sense. So, so um. So i uh, looking at this, there was sort of, some people decided that they wanted to sort of figure out why this was true. And some people thought that there might be a, a sort of medical reason why a trans person might be more likely to be autistic. More yeah. Autistically, autistic person might be more likely to be trans. So for example, um, some people think that autism might be quite a gender-defined disorder anyway. So sort of autistic men tend to have more fem- feminine traits
1: yeah.
2: um, in a typical way, or autistic women tend to have more masculine traits. Um, there's some evidence to this. But um, there's also hypotheses which um, sort of resonate a bit more with me in terms of it's um, autistic people, rather than being just sort of more likely to be trans, they're more likely to um, come out as trans. Because they don't necessarily uh, respond to the social barriers and stigma in the same way okay. that a holistic, non-autistic person might. So, um, so so firstly it might just be that um, because they're not so affected or understanding of social pressures around them, they'll come out as terms regardless of what other people think about it. Okay. Uh, but also there's an idea which is the one I heard at the conference back in September called um, they're looking at so there's something called the flattened price hypothesis of autism, which isn't specifically to do with being trapped, but it's just looking at why um, the etiology or the why people are autistic, and it's um, the idea that non-autistic people, when they encounter a situation, or um, in this in the case of gender, a person, they base it they base their judgment and their understanding on all of their previous situations, and so and um, whereas an autistic person is more focused on that specific situation in that context and how they react to it. Okay. So, in the case of gender, um, a non-autistic person might see a person in the street and because their past experience has been sort of binary, either male or female, on those people, and it's sort of <laughs> like that, like a graph, um, they'll, based on their past experience, make a self-judgement of that person as one of those two genders. Whereas an autistic person is more open to the idea that this person is individual in that context. It's not sort of completely different. Obviously, it's just like a slight. Difference. Yeah. There's more of a curve in terms of where they'd see that person between male and female. So, um, and they're also more open to that idea in terms of themselves as well. Yeah. So they necessarily see themselves in terms of their experience of other people. They're more open to the fact that they might be different on that scale. And, um, That's sort of especially where some of theories to do with why more non-binary people um or autistic come in because they um autistic people might be more into the idea that they're not male or female
1: okay yeah that makes sense so it's it's in a nutshell it sounds like it's having much more of an open mind
2: Um, (laughs) yeah i I guess so um you can look at it that way um but yeah just uh like you have just run on that individual scenario yeah. um, rather than thinking that your new experiences must fit into the boxes that you've been given from your past experience.
1: Yeah. So of, of those couple of theories, which one do you buy into?
2: I think there's probably some truth to more than one theory, because mm-hmm. both autism and being trans are a lot more complex than sort of a single-factor reason why they exist and things like that. Uh, but I, I do really like this idea of um, The thoughts and prayers, and the um, just responding differently to social situations. Um, None of them have been sort of uh, proven as definite, but that's uh, the nature of a lot of scientific thinking as well. Yes, but also I sort of also resonate with the idea. A lot of people think that we don't necessarily need to. The the best question to ask isn't necessarily why are people trans and autistic. Mm -hmm. It's more how can we best support trans autistic people? Um, because sort of asking why is quite a medicalised view of both being autistic and being trans.
1: Yeah, it's also implying there's something wrong with it. You know, there's, there's a, a cause or something for it, rather than it just is.
2: Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so people are sort of pushing more for... There, there are some really recent guidelines on how, um, for example, um, gender clinicians have been battery autistic people and how um, we can holistically help autistic trans people, well is for adolescents but in the best way so it's sort of moving the focus of research from why to um, how can we best help people.
1: Yeah okay so in, in the um, trans group that you're at at the uni and you're the president of it what kind yeah. of things do you do that offer help and support to people?
2: Um, so um, we've we just started up this year um, and we started off by mostly doing um, events, sort of education events, um, and also sort of um, more social events with for just trans students. Um, but we, we've also got a welfare site, so we have a welfare officer and an assistant welfare officer. And um, you, trans students can go in to specified times of the week and just have a chat with the officer about any issues they're having. Okay. Uh, we've got we've got our email that people sort of email us with sort of uni-based trans For example, asking how how do I change my name at the university? Okay. Uh, we've only recently at the university I've been asked to feed in on a really new policy, um, which is they've finally, which has been a bit of my pet project for a while, um, got one consistent system for how people can change their name and gender on the university. Yes. Yeah. Um. So I I guess there's two sides to what we do as an association, like pushing for change in terms of activism, and also sort of directly supporting trans students themselves, yeah, individuals and social groups as well.
1: Fantastic! You must it must it must be quite rewarding as well, and Um, sorry, and because I guess that this sort of thing wasn't there for you. Um.
2: That's um. That's true. Uh, At first, in my first year, um. I found it really difficult to find even one other trans person at the university and obviously there, there were others but um, I sort of gradually got involved in the trans, um, not the trans, the LGBT plus association um, which had a sort of trans rep role but it was quite a small thing, that was sort of once a month, once every two weeks sort of a coffee meetup, things like that. Yeah. And, uh, gradually got to know more trans people and um, now in my master's year um, well, I know loads and lots of people are being encouraged to get involved and uh, we actually um, as an association won um, the NUS, the National Union of Students Adjury yeah. Ag- Plus Society Development of the Year Award.
1: Oh wow, that's awesome.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, very good. So, your PhD that you'll be doing after your Master's that you've got funding for, what, what are you hoping that will achieve?
2: Um, well, my initial proposal prior to my Master's year was um, looking at what current policy is for trans um, children and young people in schools and how those trans young people felt about it, what was actually happening in their schools, because a lot of evidence is that even with the guidelines that exist, even if they're not perfect schools, don't even follow them to that level.
1: Yeah,
2: And trying to um, sort of come up with some best practice guidelines, but also I kind of want, really want to look at what I think is really important is looking at why schools or teachers in particular, because there's evidence that even having one supportive adult in a young person's life or school life is one of the biggest factors in whether or not they have like positive well-being in their school life and in their life in general. So yeah. what is the difference between why is a school or a teacher supportive for trans students or not? What, um, and if we know what the difference is, can we change that Okay. And what are
1: the best interventions things like that. Brilliant. Have you, have you any theories on, on why it's, or, or I suppose you get to find out, but do you have any kind of theories?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think, um, I mean, a lot of teachers do want to be supportive because there are always going to be some that, for whatever reason, whether that be sort of their background or religious um, don't support trans people in general and that's not reflective of them being a teacher, it's reflective of society, so there's an element of changing that in general. But in the school context of the team, it's, so those teachers are generally going to have to, there's going to have to be strict policy in place, which means they have to follow it.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, so, that, so there's a level of, sort of national policy and enforcement that's necessary but also there's something about if a teacher's never experienced a trans people um they don't necessarily have the knowledge of what to do when a trans people comes to them or they might not even know what trans is so there's a level of education there as well and and making sure teachers have that in training because at the moment um, there isn't anything to do with trans or there's very minimal LGBT the rest of LGBT in general in teacher training. Yeah. So that's quite an important thing. But also I think um because if we just implement it in teacher training, that's going to take a long time to filter through yeah. the school system. So it's also doing things like continual professional sort mm-hmm. and going into schools at the um, at the moment and the practicing teachers and seeing what we can do there. Um, yeah, because the schools that ask for training at the moment yeah. charities are the ones who are tending to be more supportive anyway.
1: Yes. Yeah. So it's
2: trying to find those schools that aren't actively trying to be supportive and bringing them up to a good level as well.
1: Yeah. 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 Wow. That's a big job.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's. Um, yeah. We'll see how how much it will be. It'll, quite a lot of the PhD will be exploratory. Yeah. it's quite a new area of research. Yeah. But, um, See how far you can get with
1: it. Yeah, that's dead exciting, though. So what what do you think you'll do beyond your PhD, or have you no clue yet?
2: <laughs> um, I'm not entirely sure. Okay. Um, in all honesty, um, it's possible, it, depending on the outcomes of the PhD, I might want to take it further in terms of education policy and things like that. But um, I, haven't, I really haven't decided
1: yeah see i think watch this space people luke armitage's name is going to be in lights for changing the world and and yeah that would be fab it all sounds really good um another thing i mean you may you may not know anything about this and it's it could well be irrelevant and it's something that i know that we'll be covering in another show with someone else later but do you have any views on sexuality and autism and have, have you noticed any patterns with that
2: Um, It it does seem that there is possibly a similar thing in terms of um, more autistic people come out as uh, not heterosexual. Um, Yeah. So uh, I think it's possible that it's maybe a similar thing to if you say more autistic people come out as trans, not necessarily more um, are trans, but then Mm -hmm. autistic people might be more likely to be disregarded somewhat. How? Other people feel negatively about it and want and and come out. Yeah. And also see things in general as less boxed
1: and more open and fluid and want to express that. Yeah. Yeah. See I've I've kind of had a little bit of a light bulb moment talking to you because I kind of do feel like one of the major advantages or or advantages is maybe not the right word, one of the major positives because people quite often look at autism as being you know something that people have to cope with and yes there are things that they have to cope with that are different I get all that but on the other hand there's lots of positive things and and this ability to come out because of less concern over what other people think is a, a real positive I wish I had less concern over what other people think you know because you'd, you'd just be freer to be who you want to be and do what you want to do so I think it's really interesting
2: yeah it's uh, it's definitely a good thing to look at the positives of autism. I was quite lucky, even uh, the person who diagnosed me and even was really stressing that to me was saying, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll get this report, we'll look at like, what you need help with, but also like, you've got these strengths in terms of what you can do, you can focus on one thing for a long time, things like that.
1: Yeah, Yeah, so. absolutely. So if you were going to say to people then, five things that are really positive about autism, what would you say?
2: five things Uh, yeah let's see um well it's a really great sense of uh autism community that i've found um i really uh, secondly i guess guess the big one is uh my i really love having special interests
1: yeah
2: Uh, i really love things like dr who i think a lot of People with autism or not feel like maybe some things are embarrassing to still enjoy as an adult, but being able to really love something like uh, you know Doctor Who or something um, is is like a really it, really positive thing in my life.
1: Yeah. yeah. So what what are your um, passions? Doctor Who. What else?
2: <laughs> yeah, Doctor Who. Um, I think. Um, in terms of, sort of LGBT and trans, like, um, so, and, and just in general, like, um, equality and diversity research and academic stuff like that, that's really been what I've been really interested in in terms of my academic work. And I've, uh, in my undergrad, definitely uh, taken a lot of my assignment titles and made them queer <laughs> and things like that. Um, so, is that. Um, I really like singing in musical theatre, especially. Oh, do you? Oh, cool. Yeah,
1: Yeah. and I got to express that that's a good place to be able to do things, university, um, doing
2: musicals. Um, Because I guess as an adult, unless you join a a theatre, there's not that many opportunities.
1: Yeah, no, it's really good. So, how many positives was that? That was, was that two that we did? (laughs) I think that was two. Yeah. Uh, um,
2: so other people, <laughs> off the top of my head, just different. not um, Well, I guess, yeah, I mean, like if we look at it and being, being more likely to come out, it's definitely made a huge difference to my life coming out, especially as, uh, as trans, because I'm, I'm much happier in the way I present now and with my body and with... Uh, uh, well, I have boyfriend as well, so that helps. You know, Great. Right. That was necessary. Yeah. <laughs> so um, if you look at it in that way, that's definitely... Um a big positive. Um I guess.
1: If we can't get to five, don't worry. We can yeah. stick with three.
2: <laughs> well, I'm sure there are lots. Yeah. one of um the diagnosis of autism is positive in terms of like self understanding. Yeah. I think maybe it comes along with any sort of um minority or marginalized group, but um it sort of it's sort of allows you to explore yourself a bit more and I have I feel like I have quite uh, a good level of self knowledge and self understanding that helps me and all sorts of things that aren't necessarily to do with autism because I know sort of what things are are right for me and what what's helpful for me. Yeah,
1: yeah. It just sounds like you really know yourself, which is which is good because lots of people don't really know themselves, do they?
2: Yeah. I, well, I guess a lot more than I definitely used to a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, not, uh, not you know, not amazing always, but um, yeah definitely helpful to understand why you know, some, why you've done certain things or...
1: Yeah. And is, is your boyfriend autistic or trans or <laughs> any of the above?
2: Um, yeah, he uh, is uh, actually both. Uh, I don't think he, he definitely wouldn't mind me saying he's autistic. I think he's quite, he's, um, he's involved in activism and um, national um, union things as well. So he's quite how
1: uh, trans as well. Great. So yeah. I, I
2: guess we have a lot in common. Yeah. yeah. Like um, the fact that we're both autistic is really helpful in how we relate to each other and
1: understand each other. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, that's really good. Okay. Um. So I'm trying to think, is there anything else that we've missed? The the only other thing that I want to say is that I I struggle with the right terminology for things and it's not out of badness. It's It's not, you know, sometimes people say things and it's totally the wrong thing to say. And it's not an ill-considered wrong thing to say. It's just I don't know the politically correct way to say things. But what I would like to say is that I'd, I would like to get rid of political correctness in many ways because I think it, sometimes it prevents chatting about stuff. Like I have questions about things and I don't want to do it in the wrong way, but at the same time I am genuinely interested and want to know. So if I'm coming across badly, I do apologise. But it's it, I, I want to be able to, I think, Talking about it in the right way or the wrong way is still better than not. If that makes sense.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of, well, definitely me, a lot of uh, trans people, a lot of um, LGBT people want uh, asking for people isn't that they necessarily know all the words you know, because none of us sort of came out of the womb knowing no. what things um, meant. It, it's it's more the you know the intention behind it. If someone we can generally you know we, we can generally tell if someone's coming from a positive space yeah the, um, or, or not um and
1: i would like to think that most people do in this day and age come from a positive space is that generally the experience you have i,
2: I think probably like Good. most people do it's just sometimes unfortunately the most vocal people are that minority who don't so um, yeah that, that could sort of be quite overwhelming sometimes, but um, the majority of the, uh, um, people that you come across do, uh, you know, are, are generally just trying to be the best people they can in their
1: lives. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because, because I, I mean, I don't exist in the trans world, so I don't know. I don't know what you know. Um, so, yeah, I'm just finding out about it. Which, but it's 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 great. I think it's. I think what you're doing is super amazing, and like I said before, I think if more people are doing stuff like you are, then all of this is going to become easier to talk about and much more accepted, and even if 95% of the world are positive about it now, you might get it up to 99%, which would be great. Uh, yeah,
2: uh, yeah I, think, I think it's just, uh, yeah, doing yeah. the best you can, and of... Or at least making sure that minority know that they are the minority and are going to be given the power to make policy and things yeah. that actively affect minorities.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, is there anything that we've not covered that you think people would like to know about from your experience or from your research? Um, I think
2: we did quite a good uh, job. Thoroughly covering recovery, um, everything. Yeah. But, um, well, I haven't shown you one of my <laughs> the chibi <laughs> gem that I'm wearing.
1: Is that your favourite?
2: um At the moment, definitely. I like the fact that it's got a little hole that I can put my finger in. Yeah. And, like, hold
1: it like
2: that.
1: Yeah. Um, and you, do you like purple, or do you want to see other colours? Because I think we've only got three colours in that one.
2: Um, I do like purple and. Um, I and um, quite a few of my friends have commented on the fact that sort of I don't know if you can see the sort of shiny yeah. changes in like um, tone and stuff. About, yeah. Um, uh, people always have their favorite colors, so it can be cool to see different. Uh, different yeah. Months,
1: <laughs> yeah, because some people have very strong color uh, views of colors. Um, in the autism world, some people really hate particular colors, don't they?
2: Yeah, my favorite color since I was like I can remember has always been yellow. But I'm not sure whether that's always worked that well with these sorts of things. Yeah,
1: we've had yellow before. Yellow tends not to sell that well, although yellow is very trendy at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I guess. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Luke also is friends with Casper, who many of you will know. So Casper's one of our ambassadors, and we're interviewing him as well. So there'll be another show with him soon. Um, So yeah, anything else you want to add before we wrap up?
2: No, I think think we covered everything.
1: Great. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for your time. It's been really fascinating. And best of luck with the studies.
2: Thank you
1: very much.
0: Wow, that was amazing. It was quite interesting. Very interesting. I Thanks, I Luke. I like interesting things. You do, don't you? I don't like boring things, but that wasn't a boring thing. No, very interesting. So, so I liked it. We hope you've all enjoyed it. And next week, Jenny is and chatting. probably fix this sign. Yeah, Jamie's been messing with the sign. It says Evil you again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next week, Jenny is chatting to Casper, so that is definitely one not to miss. If you want, if you are listening to this and you're not hearing the full version and you want to hear the full version, then join our VIC group. We will post a link below. Bye. See ya. You know what?